I'm reading today from um, first uh, Deuteronomy 31, verses 14 to 23, and I'm in the new um, international version for those who are following along in a different one. Okay, Deuteronomy 31, verses 14 through to 23 is entitled, Israel's Rebellion Predicted. The Lord said to Moses, Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves to the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent in the pillar of cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, You are going to rest with your fathers, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me, and they will break the covenant I made with them. On that day I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and difficulties will come upon them, and that day they will ask, Have not these disasters come upon us because our God is not with us? And I will certainly hide my face on that day because of all their wickedness in turning to other gods. Now write down for yourselves this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it, so that they may be a witness for me against them. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on earth to their forefathers, and when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when many disasters and difficulties come upon them, this song will testify against them because I will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do, even before I bring them into the land I promised them on oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and taught it to the Israelites. The Lord gave this commandment to Joshua's son of Nun. Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on earth, and I myself will be with you. May God bless to us this reading. Good morning. Lovely to uh, be here today and uh, worship and uh, share in communion and coming to God's Word. Let's pray. Gracious God, we just thank you for today and we thank you for this beautiful time being able to gather together this morning to bring you praise and honour and glory. Father, I just pray that uh, as we come into your word right now, Lord, that you will open our hearts to hear a little bit more about um, what you'd have us to, to learn and help us to grow our faith and become more like Jesus. Father, as we go this week as well, Lord, I just pray that um, in all things that we will be what you have called us to be in the areas of influence that you have placed us, that we can be your true witnesses and ambassadors of your kingdom. Father, we just thank you for the truth that we read through your word. Help us to live that way, despite all the different distractions and other things and the temptations around us. Father, help us to be courageous and strong. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, there's three questions up there on the screen. What are you going to learn today? 
And uh, what did, is God going to say to you? I hope he says something to you today that you can take with you. And what will you do as well? So when you leave, is there something you're going to be able to do to help grow your faith and your walk with the Lord? So uh, this morning, our, our message is entitled, Leaving a Legacy. And I'll get into that a little bit further uh, as we go. But I need to preface the message this morning in that we will be working briefly on a recap of today's passage that Rosalind read to us and also to let you know as to where we are going to actually land. So we're going to land with one really big question, okay? It's an, and it's a personal question. That's going to be at the end of the message today. But to get started, I would like to share with you a statement and I'll put it up on the screen for you to read along with me. One of the greatest blessings of remaining faithful to God in his purposes is that you are rewarded with a powerful legacy. Those who have been faithful during movements of God have seen him accomplish the impossible through them. Those who allow God to define their identity cannot help but bless others and forever change the lives of those around them. In the end, they truly see God's promise to do immeasurably more than they could ask or imagine. So just let that sit with you a moment or two. Let that just sink in. I have another question. And it's, um, have you ever walked through a cemetery? You may have been putting flowers on the headstone of a relative or leaving after a committal service of a friend. Perhaps you're out for a walk or a jog and you stumble across a very old private graveyard from years gone by. It's difficult to walk past without glancing at some of the epitaphs that we see on the headstones. You will see a little bit of everything. Maybe you've heard some of the more unusual ones, such as this one. You might smile with this one. Solomon Pease is his name. Pease is not here, only the pod. Pease shelled out and went home to God. So that's pretty good, isn't it? Another one is the headstone of a hypochondriac that read, I told you I was sick. Anyway, sometimes our curiosity is piqued when we walk past a headstone in a cemetery because we want to catch a glimpse of who is buried there. The epitaph sometimes gives you a snapshot of the individual as well. Sometimes you can even learn something about their priorities and what was important to them. So, what do you want others to say when you are gone? Her home was always nicely kept. Or he was never late for work. Those things are fine. But in the big scheme of things, wouldn't you prefer the words on your headstone to say something that will last beyond the grave? Perhaps something like this. Here lies a godly man who always kept his word. Or I remember reading a beautiful one after conducting a graveside committal on my way back to my car when I was up in Mackay. The headstone simply said had simply had a lady's name on it and then underneath it it read in Christ alone I place my trust. What do you think your loved ones will put on your headstone? Now keep in mind the engraver's charged by the word so don't expect a novel. Funny thing I was reading an article a little while ago 
And it mentioned the story about a widow who was turning in her husband's obituary to the local newspaper. She wrote an absolutely glowing, lengthy description, even though they had quite a rocky relationship. But she loved her husband. After handing it to the editor, he explained to the widow that the first three words were free. But after that, she had to pay by the word. So she took her submission back and quickly shortened the obituary to read simply, Boat for sale. Yeah, obituaries, funeral services and graveyards have a way of reminding us of our humanity and as followers of Jesus an opportunity to leave a final testimony. To live our life in a way that points to Jesus and reminds them of our faith in God. In our reading today, there are a couple of themes based around the notion where God establishes testimonies for his people, to remind them of himself when they're tempted to go astray. And also, we have in the theme today of the passage, there is a leadership commissioning. So let's have a look at today's passage. But first, I want to share with you a word from the Apostle Peter, who once wrote to his believing Jewish kinsmen of the importance of staying true to and building faithfully upon their faith in Jesus. And as he himself was nearing the time of his departure, Peter told him, I'll put this up on the screen for us to have a look at. Peter said, I plan to keep on reminding you of these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth. Yes, I believe I should keep on reminding you of these things as long as I live. But the Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that my days here on earth are numbered and I am soon to die. So I will work hard to make these things clear to you. And I'll just add in there while I'm here. I want you to remember them long after I am gone. And that's found in 2 Peter 1, 12 to 15. Peter's heart here is very similar to the burden that Moses had on his heart with respect to the people of Israel. As we read in today's passage, he too was about to depart this world. But in his case, God clearly told him that the people would indeed wander away. And so in the second half of chapter 31 of Deuteronomy that we just read, we find that God gave Moses certain reminders To the people, to ensure them of a testimony of God's way after He was taken bodily from them. So let's have a quick look this morning of how God provided a reminder to the people through this passage today. And the first reminder is found in in verses 14 to 18. It's the inauguration of Joshua himself. The story that this passage tells us is that cutting in and out, David? That's all good. The story that this passage tells us is the story of what we might call a very public-private meeting. That doesn't make sense, does it? A public-private meeting. But let me explain. It involved Moses and Joshua coming to stand before the Lord for private instructions at the tabernacle. Moses was told by the Lord that the day was approaching when he must die. That was verse 14. He himself would not be permitted to enter the promised land because of his rash act at Kadesh or Meribah back in Numbers 20. 
And so because Moses could go no further, God commanded him to call Joshua and for them to present themselves before him at the tabernacle of meeting, which is the tent within the tabernacle court, within which was the lampstand and the table of showbread and the altar of incense. And that was behind the veil of which was the Holy of Holies. This was, I believe, so that the Lord could publicly, and I'll say publicly, inaugurate Joshua for leadership, even though the meeting was a private meeting. But everybody that would have seen Moses and Joshua going into the tabernacle, they would have seen what was happening. They would have seen Moses and Joshua entering and with the cloud of pillar outside, knowing that God was speaking to Moses and Joshua. They would have seen the Lord's presence represented by that pillar of cloud. The effect of it would have been to make it clear to all the leadership around them that God had placed on Moses was now being placed on Joshua. But you know what? I reckon it would have been a pretty sad meeting, actually. It's hard to imagine how it must have felt for Moses to be told by the Lord that after he rested with his fathers, even after he passed, you know, we read the words, this people... The Israelite people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land where they go to be among them and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I've made with them. Moses must be devastated hearing this. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day and I will forsake them and I will hide my face from them and they shall be devoured and many evils and troubles shall befall them. Now God here was essentially telling the story of what was ahead for Israel. Not merely as a potentiality, but as a prehistory. This is a bit like Paul, what Paul told the pastors from Ephesus in Acts 20. I won't read that, you can have a look at that if you like. But, but Paul spoke with tears when he warned of what was to come. And no doubt Moses, I believe, also probably heard this with tears. God was saying to him that the curses described back in chapter 28, if you can't have a look, would come upon his people and that they would recognise it. And I think in this section of the passage here today, it's important to note then that Joshua was there to hear every word of this. He was not only there to affirm his leadership to the people, but also so that the needs of his people would be impressed upon his heart. And I believe Joshua's leadership would have been one of the reminders that God provided to his people. How important it is that we need the spiritual leaders God gives to us. And I just want to read to you from Hebrews 13, verse 17 in that space. Just to remember this. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who first taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and trust the Lord as they do. Now the second reminder I want to share with you this morning, it's an important one. We sing songs, don't we, each uh, Sunday morning, praising the Lord, reminding ourselves of how great he is and how wonderful he is. And then in verses 19 to 23, there is the teaching of a song here in our passage today. 
Not only did God provide a leader, but he also provided a song. The full lyrics of this song are given to us in chapter 32. You can go on home and have a look at that. But it is in the truest sense an inspired song because it was given by God with the command to both Moses and Joshua. Now, therefore, write down this song for yourselves and, I've got it in blue, teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that the song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Extremely important verse. This is actual action that's got to take place. Not just listen, action. The reason God gave for this song was because God promised that when the people entered the land and enjoyed the blessings of it, they would eat and grow, grow fat and turn to other gods. And they will provoke me and break my covenant. Verse 20. This song would then be a reminder to them. This is what God was doing. Put it in a song. Remind them when the evils of the curse had come upon them and it would testify against them. No doubt to help bring to pass the repentance that was described in in chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. Perhaps it was put in the form of a song because a song tends to be memorable and could not be easily forgotten. Who remembers songs a bit easier than uh, Bible verses and things like that? I know a lot of us probably do. I mean, just a a sidebar, I was at the men's forum a couple... When was that, Ian, last week? Two weeks ago. Um, Ian was there and... Ian led the worship. And you know what? He didn't need a hymn book. He just sang the words. Occasionally he had to look at them, but amazingly, song is embedded into our, into our minds and our hearts. And for easy recall, God's clever, isn't he? Verse 21 tells us something startling in all of this. And it is that God knew the inclination of the people's behaviour. Verse 21. Even before I have brought them to the land of which I swore to give them. He knows. Therefore, I believe this song is a great act of grace from God. The song was written that very day and immediately taught to the children of Israel. Verse 22 tells us that. Immediately taught. Again, the fact that Joshua was involved helped to further affirm his role of leadership to the people and was accompanied with clear instructions And those were actually from the lips of God himself. Be strong and courageous, verse 23. You must bring the people of Israel into the land I swore to give to them. I will be with you. I love those words. I will be with you and be strong and courageous. So we've looked at our passage a little bit today, but right now I want us to zoom out from today's passage. Zoom right out. I'd like to mention one of the greatest reminders that we can catch from Moses and his ministry, his life. He's just about to depart. And if we can catch this from Moses, and it brings us closer to the big question this morning that I have for you. It's a legacy, if you like. And it's mentioned in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And this legacy is a legacy of faith. We are reminded in chapter 11, verse 24. It was by faith, Moses, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, 
refused to be treated as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And then a couple of verses later, verse 27, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. Verse 28, it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and sprinkle the blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith. It was by faith. Moses left a legacy of faith. And I'm sure Joshua, the soon-to-be new leader, son of Nun, who had been with Moses and the people pretty much since the, the Exodus, would have been inspired. He would have understood the faith Moses had in the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, because he experienced it. He tasted it. He drank from it. This faith passed on what was evident whilst under his leadership. I'll just reframe that. This faith that Moses had and shared was evident in Joshua's life later on. How can I say that? Hebrews 11 again, verse 30. It was by faith. Whoops, gone too far. Don't know. That's okay. Go back. That's all right. Verse 30. It was by faith that people, that the people of Israel marched around Jericho seven days and the wall came crashing down. Who did that? Who led them? Joshua. Remember Sunday school, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Yes. It was by faith. So Joshua knew all about faith and he learnt that so much from Moses. The Apostle John summed up in, third, in 3 John 1 verse 4, the way a Christian should view passing the baton of faith to future generations. This is what we see what Moses did. He passed the baton of faith to future generations. Even though Joshua was not Moses' son, the principle is the same. I'll throw this one up on the screen. 3 John 1 verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know, no greater joy. Can I say that if God has blessed you with children, grandchildren, or even an influence among the younger generation, including us aunties, uncles, or however it happens as a youth leader or whatever, our youth, our young people, Faith is the greatest thing that you can pass on to them. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That is a general rule Solomon is saying, basically. It's not a promise. It's a principle. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house... The builders labour in vain. I mean, Steve said last week, be careful not to forget. And I want to re-emphasise this to you this morning. Be careful not to forget. Take time not to forget. Take time to remember the Lord your God. So how are you doing that? Are you making space in your busy time of your week? Take time to remember the Lord your God. So what do you pray that people will whisper as they file past your casket? You made it. I'll catch up with you in heaven. Or thanks for the example. 
Personally, I hope to hear someone say, look, he's moving. (laughs) It's pretty unlikely, though. But if you don't hear that, perhaps you'll hear a phrase like, we're going to miss your integrity at the office. Or because of your witness, I know the Lord. As good as those would be, what if you were to live your life in such a way that when one of your children walked past, he or she said, thanks, Dad, for showing me the love of Christ. Or thanks, Mum, for being a model of Jesus to me. There is something even more important than what imperfect people or family members say about when you die. You see, you might be able to fool them, but you can't fool God. He's an all-seeing God. He weighs your motives. He knows your character. He is aware of whether you have truly yielded your life to him or if you are still on the throne. The way he chooses to sum up your life in a dozen words will be the only thing, the only thing that matters when eternity hangs in the balance. For those who have swallowed their pride and placed their trust in Christ Jesus, the final epitaph will be spoken, not engraved by the creator of the universe. If you live a life that has honoured Christ, you will hear the greatest 12-word statement and it's found in Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. And it's those 12 words, that epitaph, that will usher you into heaven for all eternity. Whether you are a first-generation Christian who is starting this legacy or you have a family tree of believers and you are continuing to add generational links to a legacy. What can I say? If some of your children aren't there yet, you know what? You're still here. Stay the course. Stay the course. Andy Stanley points out, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. If you believe that, it will revolutionise the way you strive to leave a legacy of faith to your family. We've all made mistakes and we wish we would have, like to have do-overs. But we can learn from our past. Or we can live in the past. But understand this. You will leave a legacy. Everyone will. The only question is whether it will be a positive or a negative one. Our passage today, I believe, helps us to appreciate how much we need the spiritual nurturing of God's provision of a good church family. It's a very large part of what God has given us to keep us from wandering away from him. But how sad that even with the leadership of Joshua, the instruction of a song... And the written copy of the word that they had. The people still fell. Let us not do that. Let us not do that. May we live by the words from the lips of God to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. That's what we must be. Strong and courageous. He's going to be with us. He said that to Joshua and he's he's with us too. And just remember, 
that there is more to life than can, that can be squeezed between two dates on a tombstone. There is eternity. A pastor by the name of Jack Graham pointed out the length of your life is up to God. The legacy of your life is up to you. So, what is the big question? Keeping in mind we are all going to leave a legacy. What's this big question? Some of you probably guessed it already. What is your legacy? What is your legacy? And I'll add a little bit more. And how can you grow that? Moses showed us a legacy of faith as he did life. In your newsletter today, there's a, there's a story there. And it talks about a legacy of love. So maybe that's where your, your legacy might land. I just want you to sit with that for a moment. I just ask the music team to come up. We're, we're going to prepare our hearts to sing a beautiful song to the Lord. One which reminds us of his uh, great goodness and faith that we can have. But I just want you to sit with that question. What is your legacy? And how can you grow that legacy? What are you going to do this week to make sure you're on track to leave the legacy that God wants you to leave? Everyone's legacy will be a little bit different. Just keep in mind that faith is, a, is really up there. God's word says faith, hope and love. The greatest of these is love. So let's love the Lord afresh this morning as we stand together and sing a great song. Have faith in God. O Lord, you lead me by the still waters, quietly restoring my soul. You speak words of wisdom, the promise of glory, the power of the presence of God. Have faith in God. Let your hope rest on the faith.